Live from the Journeys Group Studio, this is Taking Care of Business. Good afternoon. This well, actually, good day. This is Tommy Pate. <laughs> and this is George Pate. Taking care of business. Today is the technically the second week in October. Um, fall continues. My favorite time of year. Oh, it's wonderful. I, we were driving to where were we driving to a couple weeks ago? I think it was Edenton, maybe. Yeah, we were we were heading to Edenton for, for a couple of meetings that early that I mean it was early that morning, like seven o'clock that morning. And we were driving down Highway 64, and the trees were changing, and it was so it was I mean it was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. I mean they were just starting to see some orange and red and yellow, and it was oh it was, it was wonderful. It was a little bit chilly that morning. It stayed chilly, so yeah, I love the fall because it's not 800 degrees. I'm not waking up with allergies every morning. Plus, that means it's almost Thanksgiving and Christmas. What do Thanksgiving and Christmas have to do with joyous occasions? Food. Did you just ask what Christmas has to do with the joyous occasion? Well, I was being facetious. Oh, I, I, oh, I, I was like, I, I was, I was concerned for your your mental state there. So, um, anything fresh? And well, I shouldn't say fresh and new about politics because there's nothing ever fresh and new about politics. Um, nothing going on with that, I don't think. No, I'm in a pretty good mood today, uh, and I, and well, I want to not talk about politics. Yeah. Well, I want to try and rant a little bit less because I'm I'm sure everybody is. Sick I don't of it. think we rant. I think we no. Just I, I I think I think sometimes we do, but pontificate I, I, eloquently. I think most. I don't even know what that means, uh, but but I think I don't know. I think most of the time we we do a pretty good job of of coming across uh, with wanton sincerity, uh, respectfully critical, because and this is the only thing I'll say because nobody in any news media source anywhere is willing to criticize anybody on one side, um, but. Uh, no, I, I don't. I mean, I'm I'm trying to think if there's been any headlines or anything recently that we haven't already talked about. I do think it's interesting that they can they keep changing the definition of a recession to keep pushing the threat of a recession back. But um, no, I think I'm good. You got anything? No, no. Okay. Um, what are we talking about today? Shall we introduce ourselves? Well, after we do that, part, oh, okay. What are we talking about? Well, today? we we just we you're throwing off the order. I we are continuing our our discussion from last week on estate planning to about trust this week i I very briefly touched on what a trust is last week but we're going to go more in depth about the different kinds what they're used for that sort of thing today so but before that sorry we just the we we did the order backwards it really threw me you gotta be able to think on your feet boy i'm not when i turn the reins of power over to you one day i'm not a professional like you are that's true thank god (laughs) my name is tommy pate i'm a certified financial planner with the journeys group and i'm george pate i'm a financial advisor with the journeys group we are an independent registered investment advisory firm in aiden right outside of greenville north carolina our phone number is 252-746-6785. Again, that's 252-746-6785. You can find us on the web at www.thejourneysgroup.com. Again, www.thejourneysgroup.com. Our website has a variety of financial articles that rotate on it. It has links to YouTube and Instagram and Facebook. It has a list of the upcoming events. I think our next big hurrah is the Christmas party Yep, uh, in December. And it also has um, well links to the YouTube videos and yada, yada, yada. But most importantly, oh, it has our schedule, yep. how to get up with us if you'd like to have an appointment. But most importantly, it has the podcast. 
taking care of business. So if you missed one, want to go see it? That's the place to go look at it. Yeah, or or if you want to hear past shows, uh, like I, we we like we've said, we're on like nineteen different places. You can go to any of pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, subscribe to it, and you'll be able to hear new episodes and old episodes as they come out every Wednesday. We're going to talk about trust today. George touched on that a little bit last week. Uh, <clears throat> Trusts are very much like estate planning in that uh, you kind of feel like you've got to be a uh, very wealthy to, to utilize a trust. It's not true at all. Um, uh, what is a trust? A trust is an, um, a thing <laughs> that provides legal protection of your assets and to make sure the assets are giving out according to your wishes. Um, let me back. Let me give up a, a um, uh, disclaimer. We're not attorneys. There, Greenville has some of the finest estate planning and trust attorneys I can imagine. So you do not have to go anywhere but Greenville if you want to talk to some people. Uh, if we give you a circumstance and the the estate plan attorney says we're wrong, listen to him we're, or her, as the case may be. What precipitated this kind of discussion? We we met with a couple uh, a couple months ago, I think, that had uh, a, a trust set up with several different accounts in it, and there didn't really seem to be a in their estate plan, there didn't really seem to be a place for a trust. So we, we were kind of talking about that and, and wanted to discuss instances or what a trust is, instances where they fit, where they don't fit, what they're good for. Us. Again, but again, we're just, we're scratching the surface here. All right. There are four. I, I found a plethora of observations, but there, there, I'm going to say there are four different kinds of four basic classes of trust. Uh, there is a living trust, which is one that goes into effect while you're alive, hence the term living trust. That would make sense. There's a testamentary trust, which goes into effect by virtue of your last will and testament being triggered. In other words, you have passed away. I love the, I love using that term because it sounds really, really fancy and professional, but it's it's a very simple thing. But if you say it, people are like, wow, he's really smart. It, mm-hmm. it makes me feel very intelligent when I talk mm-hmm. about it. There is a revocable trust, which means you can change your mind. And there is an irrevocable trust. I mean, once it's done, it's done. Concrete, can't touch it. Each of these trusts, each of these classes of trust play a different role in your estate planning. Uh, I don't know of anybody that has all four of them. And I don't know. I, I can't think of any situation where all four would be necessary because they all do different things. I mean, irrevocable and irrevocable are, are opposite. So there's really no circumstance where really where i can see you needing more than one to be honest let's talk about testamentary trust um this uh, uh goes back to more taking care of your your offspring when my when my wife's name is ginger when ginger and i had children that were less than 25 years of age my they're all older than that now my george is 27 and my daughter's 33 but we had in our wheel a testamentary trust now the by virtue of the fact that it's in the will it means that it doesn't exist unless she and i both were to die unless the will was probated prior to my sister and i turning 25 yep. yeah once the will was probated then um i mean this 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 trust was triggered so in this trust we basically said in the event of our mutual deaths or dying within a time frame then all the assets of our state go to our children, who at the time were minors. In North Carolina, you can't inherit property if you are a minor. 
So we had a testamentary trust, again, that would be formed upon our death that uh, our assets would go into. Um, again, called testamentary because it comes into play with the last will and testament. You can pretty much name any age you want. In our case, we dictated that our children would have to be 25 to tap in the assets of the trust. Now, since my children are 27 and 33 now, the trust never existed and it never will exist because we've, we've already gone past the, the uh, 25 range. Uh, and it's, it would be there to take care of the kids. In other words, our instructions were to have the, the um, trustee, which in this case was my sister, have the trustee give the kids X amount of dollars a month. It was used to pay for things like braces and cars and medical bills and just stuff that we pay right now without thinking twice about it. Uh, in the testamentary trust, we named my sister as trustee, and we named one more person as trustee in case my sister were to pass away. We also named two guardians of the children. One is a primary guardian, one is a secondary guardian. This is to prevent people going to court and trying to claim those children. And so very basic testamentary trust as part of your last will and testament. If you have minor children, uh, I would highly encourage you to take a look at that. What else we got? We have a living trust. And what is that? That is a trust that goes into effect while you are still living. And why would you want that? The The first thing that comes to mind would be to transfer assets over to somebody and get them out of your estate. That That's kind of the first thing that comes to mind. Again, it's it's there's not very many situations to me that where that would apply um, because the, the rule of transferring ownership of assets is you have to live five years after transferring them for it to not be considered part of your estate. So if I, if I transferred assets to you today and I died tomorrow, those assets are still considered in my estate. So to my knowledge, a living trust is the only reason to have one would be to transfer assets to a minor or something like that and get them out of your estate while you're still alive. What what do you think? No, I thought you're right. I mean, it's, it's, um, I don't really know of many, that. That seems like a very specific situation kind of trust. I, I can't really see many situations where where that would be the best option. I, I would, and we're going to talk about these in a minute. I would think the living trust would would, would be uh, a class of special needs trust. I, that that's what came to mind. Uh, and, a, and a special needs trust is. is and let's let's talk about special yeah, needs trust. Yeah, please do. Because you because you handle a couple of them. I yeah, think. I do. We we actually do. Um, special needs trust, there, there are two kinds of special needs trust. There's a first, a first party and a third party special need trust. All right. Let's talk about a third party first. The third party special need trust are usually used by people planning in advance for a loved one with special needs. So if you have a special need child, a child with Down syndrome, perhaps, then uh, a third party special needs trust are typically set up so that in the event of your death, there are... Uh, there's a trust there to take care of the child who is, you know, very well could could be an adult. Um, who is the third party in that in that circumstance? You know, that is an excellent question, and I researched that extensively yesterday and trying to find it and couldn't find anything. I mean, the, the, I don't know. I, I guess the thing that comes to mind would be like if if that adult child goes to a group home, let's say, and the third party is the group home. I mean, that's that's the only thing that 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 comes to mind. There. I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. Um, a special need trust that's created under a will or 
in a living trust mm-hmm. does not come into existence until after the death of the individual who set it up. So it basically is an empty shell until, let's say, I'm setting up a special needs trust for you, which is not that far-fetched, and uh, it's an empty shell until I pass away. So it's just a, it's essentially just a an account it's, with a zero just balance. A, just there waiting, yep. Um, ah, a third-party special needs trust is funded with assets belonging to a person other than the beneficiary. Yeah, definitely, because so, the beneficiary well, well, is, that, is that, a special need. The third party is the person funding the trust. It's a parent or yeah. grandparent. Then. Yeah, okay. I was just All curious. Right. Um, now, special need trust doesn't have to be irrevocable, uh, which is nice. Um, but you've got to make sure that and this is where we've come into play. We've, we've got a couple um, that we used to handle. The, the beneficiaries passed away or they got older and passed mm-hmm. away. But uh, we had the trust designed so that uh, one of the beneficiaries, one was an elderly lady, was in a group home and absolutely loved it. Like She liked where she lived. She lived there for 40-some years. And, of course, the group home was paid for by Medicare, or Medicare in the state of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So the trust was set up to where it gave her funds, but not enough funds where she would lose her Medicare uh, group home privileges. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to pay attention when you set up a special need trust. So, again – that screams to me, lawyer. Yes. Go talk to a lawyer. Because, again, that, that is such a nuanced and a bit, a bit of a complicated situation that requires expertise. So, Because there, there's a lot of factors that come into play and that work together in that kind of situation. And you want to make sure that by doing one thing, you're not compromising the benefits from something else. The biggest difference between a third party and first party, we're talking about first party right now, is that what happens to the property when the beneficiary dies? Remember, in a trust, uh, the beneficiary is the person receiving the trust, mm-hmm. receiving the assets of the trust. Under a third-party special needs trust, um, if there's anything left, that is not required to reimburse Medicaid for the benefits that they receive, he or she received during her lifetime. Um, first-party trust, if the pass when they pass away. They have to use their assets at their death to pay off Medicare. Now, here's why. Wait a minute. Here's why it actually makes sense. Okay. A first-party trust is a trust typically set up when the person who is disabled inherits or receives a settlement outright, so it's already theirs. Okay. So let's say you were mentally um, deficient. Okay. And I died and left you all of my assets. Okay. Someone working on your behalf would set up a first-party trust. You already have the because assets. Because the assets are in my name. I, I'm considered yep. the owner of the yep. assets. Got it. Yep. Uh, and so you got to be careful of those because they do they, – they will cause some issues with um, uh, Medicaid and, and federal benefits, that's, that sort of thing. Um, the property of a first-party special needs trust can only be used for the, be- the sole benefit of that individual. Nothing else. Uh, and remember that these are set up not by the individual themselves, because if they could do that, they wouldn't be special needs. Exactly. Yep. But by a court, by a concerned relative, something like that. All right. Very quickly, that was special needs trust. I guess the the, me- the message I want you to have, if you have a special needs individual in your family. Think about that. Yeah, there are things to do. It, it, it's a very powerful tool. Yeah. Another one we see very often is called a spendthrift trust. 
<laughs> and a spendthrift trust is designed to protect someone from themselves. Um, with a with a, a spendthrift trust, let's let's again pick on George. Let's assume George can't handle money. So at my death, his assets or his inheritance goes into a spendthrift trust. The trustee, whoever's in charge of that trust, will give George an allowance so that George can live off of it. But George cannot access the assets of the trust on his own. So the fact that he can't access the trust on his own mean that if he does some foolish things and has some bad creditors, they can't take the assets of the trust to pay the bills. So it's generally used to protect a someone from themselves that doesn't handle money very well. Yeah, in, in that instance, the trustee is the one that dictates how money goes out. You know, obviously the trust documents will dictate what sort of allowance, but typically a trust document will have some sort of caveat or I'm, I'm, I don't really, I don't know what the legal term, uh, uh, an addendum or something in it that says that the trustee can invade the principle of the trust if they deem it necessary. Well, one, one of the trusts we handle right now, let's, let's break down what a trust is. There are three entities in a trust. There is a grantor, a trustee, and a beneficiary. All right, the grantor is the person that funds the trust. Typically, in in the in most situations, the deceased. Right, but not always. So right now, we handle a trust for one of my clients that passed away four years ago. She set the trust up for the benefit of her grandchildren. Um, it's it's actually very close to being a spendthrift trust. Mm-hmm. So my client that put the money in the trust at her death was the grantor. I am the trustee. She named me as trustee, which means I'm the one that determines that determines um, how the money is to be spent. Now, the trust document basically dictate, tells me what to do as, as trustee. And so uh, in this case, there, there are two grandchildren. The trust document tells me um, that they get $500 a month every month until they become 30 years old. And when they turn 30, the trust dissolves and they get the full assets. Now, as trustee, I do have the right to invade that trust and give them more than 500 if I feel like it's appropriate. But now, again, it's at your discretion. At my discretion. And the yep. most, I think the most important thing to, to note here, she named you trustee because you had known her for golly, probably 20 years and knew her very well, good friends with her, knew her wishes. And that that's one of the most important things. We talked about this last week when you pick a trustee or a, or a guardian or, or an executor, anybody is somebody that knows you and knows your wishes. And so it's pretty open with what you're, you know, you can invade the principle at your discretion, but you know her well enough to know what her discretion would be. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to kind of we, make that. We note. actually had, um, um, some requests where one of the uh, beneficiaries wanted some money for a particular reason. And as trustee, I decided not to grant the request because I didn't feel like her grandmama would have wanted her to do that. It, it wasn't a necessary thing. No, it wasn't a necessary thing at all. So, so that that's probably the most common use of trust is a situation like this. Because I think when, when my client passed away, the granddaughters were in their late teens, early 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably the most one of the most common ways to that that you see a trust 
is to keep someone from hurting themselves, basically. And in this case, to keep other family members uh, and or creditors from getting that money from them. I was going to say, oftentimes it's to protect the beneficiary from themselves or from somebody that tries to take advantage of them. Because if, if okay, they, somebody can only take so much advantage of them because they're, they're only getting a certain amount of money every month. Now, you know, how do you know if you need a trust or not? An attorney. Yeah. Basically, you go talk to an estate plan attorney, and George made a good point last week. Not a real estate attorney, not a general practice attorney, an estate plan attorney. Not not an attorney that does estate planning on the side. Yeah. You want an estate plan, plan someone attorney. that specializes in it. And there are three or four and I can think of in Grammar right off the bat, and they are excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you go to the attorney and say, I'd like to get my estate in order. He or she will draw up a will, living will. Uh, power of attorney, healthcare power of attorney. If you have minor children, he or she will probably suggest a trust. If you've got some concerns about a special needs child, I mean, that the attorney is kind of the one that says, let's do a trust with this. But remember that a trust gives you the ability to uh, manipulate your assets from beyond the grave. It gives you the ability to have your wishes uh, honored even if you're not there to take care of them. Now, the attorney will draw up the trust, but you're the one that has to figure out who the trustee is going to be. And that's important uh, because that trustee, and you heard the case with my client, that trustee has a lot of power. Uh, And a lot of responsibility as well. Yeah. So you sit that person down before you name them trustee and you explain to them exactly what your intentions are. Uh, my client's intentions were when the girls turned 30 years old to get a sizable inheritance. So one of the reasons why I turned down that request for money was because it would have had a significant impact on that, that growth. And what she was asking for, as George said, wasn't necessary. It was, it was a, uh, so it was a luxury, but it was, it was somewhat frivolous. It was something she wanted instead of something she needed. Yeah. And down the road, it would not have honored her grandmother's wishes to leave leave her grandchildren a sizable inheritance. So do do most people have trust? No. Uh, if you have minor children, I think you should have a testamentary trust. Uh, do most people need trust? I don't know. I would say maybe a third. If you've got a special needs child, if you've got a, a beneficiary that just absolutely doesn't know how to handle money, uh, I don't mean they're – they spend it. I mean, they just don't know how to handle it. They don't put into it. Uh, if you've got some concerns about creditors coming after one of your uh, beneficiaries, children, spouse, that kind of thing, um, if you've got a specific charitable event you want to give money to, then um, then then trusts work out well. There, there's a couple of trusts called CRUT and CRAT, C-R-U-T-C-R-A-T. They're great for charities. Yeah, where you basically give a chunk of money to, and I'm really dumbing this down, so it's a little more complicated, but you basically give a chunk of money to a charity, and you live off the interest that that uh, chunk of money gener- gen- uh, generates. So you get, the, you get a check every month from the charity from the interest, and at your death, the charity keeps the principal. Pretty good deal. Charity gets money. You get a tax write-off. You get some income. So it, it's not just to take care of family members. It's really designed. Uh, trust is designed to take care of your money mm-hmm. and, and to make it and to to let it go to whoever you want to go with, whether that be a person or an entity, and in what fashion the money goes to them. Again, everything we've talked about in the last two weeks all comes down to control and 
it keeps the control in your hands from beyond the grave. Because obviously, if you're dead, you can't tell what you want to happen. But through these documents, through your estate plan, through these trusts, that's you saying what you want to happen after you're gone. Yeah, now I'm 62. I'll be 63 in November next month, matter of fact. Um, children 33, 27, wife's alive and well. We own you know, a couple, three businesses. We do not have any trust in our estate planning whatsoever. Uh, because at this point, our children are minors. They're intelligent enough to know what to do. We've spoken with them ad nauseum. I'm not saying there won't be a trust one day if we have grandchildren, hint, hint, or if we have um, a chair we want to take care of. But right now, we don't have any trust. There's, because it's just not necessary. Yeah, it's just not necessary. Um, not, again, I, in the future, if we had grandchildren, I mentioned hint, hint, then we'd probably put a trust together for the little scudders in, uh, but not, yeah, not right now. Not right now. If you have questions about this, remember we're not attorneys. But if you have questions about this, we can get into the very general details, and we can also refer you to an estate plan attorney. But our phone number is two five two seven four six six seven eight five. Again, that's two five two seven four six six seven eight five. It would be our privilege to talk with you about what your circumstances are. And if we think there's a, a trust needs sent you to the attorney, we have done that before. And the attorney came back and said that he didn't think a trust was needed. Fine. Just trying to keep all of our bases covered. Yep. Um, but uh, just remember, if you're in a situation where at your death, you're not sure what's going to happen, a trust may not be a bad idea because the trust says, no, this is this is what's going to happen at or, your death. Or at least talking to an attorney about a trust because, the, they, yeah. they, you know, they do, it certainly doesn't hurt to bring it up and say, do you think I need this? And, yep. they, and they may say, yep or yep. no. Yep. Um, anyway, wrapping it up. Um, trust, estate planning, two things that have to be done, no matter whether you're rich, poor, or in between. Yep. Uh, think about it. And we appreciate you letting us ride with you. Look forward to visiting with you next week. Have a great rest of the week. This is Tommy Pate. And this is George Pate. Taking care of business. The proceeding has been a paid program. The advice and opinions expressed by the Journeys Group and their guests are their own and may not reflect the opinions and advice of WTIB or Interbanks Media. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although should not be relied as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Fixed annuities are insurance products. Fixed annuities rates, returns, and guarantees are subject to the claim paying ability to the underlying insurance company. Please see a statement of understanding and perspectives for a full detail on products discussed. Strategies mentioned may not be suitable for everyone. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation and as such is not intended to be a direct recommendation. Before acting on any information mentioned, you should seek the advice from a qualified tax or investment advisor to determine whether it is suitable for your specific situation. Investment advising services are offered through the Journeys Group, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Advisor.